Welcome, everybody, to the NPC's Weekly News Roundup. For the week of December 1st, 2023, here is what's making headlines. Sony set to face $7.9 billion class action lawsuit over PlayStation Store prices. Nintendo is launching an 18-plus Nintendo 64 Switch Online app in Japan. Ubisoft blames technical error for showing pop-up ads in Assassin's Creed. Dave the Diver comes under the Game Awards nomination controversy and Jeff Keighley weighs in. And Embracer CEO confirms Free Radical is facing closure. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always, for the Weekly News Roundup, I'm joined by none other than Kyle Inman. Kyle, it's been a while, dude. It has been a while. After after our long hiatus playing Magic and and enjoying a moment to ourselves, we are back. Yeah, in, in a manner of speaking. I mean, it was a combination it, of, of playing Magic the Gathering. It was a combination of people being sick, including myself. It's been the holiday, or at least Thanksgiving holiday, and chaos in work and in life. And yeah, it's been busy, dude. It, it has been busy. Um, well, and, you know, we, we had even talked about potentially sunsetting the, the, the podcast, but here we are not going to, we're, we're still going to keep on trucking and see where it goes. And I, I think we've got some really good, strong stories tonight and yeah, I, I, I think we should probably just dig in. You know what? I'm all for that. So let's right, hop right into it. And so these stories do kind of span over the last couple of weeks, but that's all right. It's news that we think still needs to be discussed. And so we're going to be taking care of that by starting off with this first one here, talking about Sony set to face the $7.9 billion class action lawsuit over PlayStation Store prices. So what that value actually is, is that this is a lawsuit being brought up in the European court. And it's five billion or a uh, UK court, excuse me, and it's uh, five billion pounds. So, of course, that translates to the seven point nine billion US dollars. Uh, so the class action lawsuit specifically covers Sony uh, in regards to overcharging uh, PlayStation Store customers by uh, up to this amount. And apparently they said the UK specialist competition court has ruled that this can go to trial. So that means that there was enough evidence presented that made this seem like there could very well be a case. Now, we know, of course, that the UK is no longer a part of the EU, but they still retain some of those similar laws, at least in regards to consumer protection. And this isn't necessarily a surprise to see them go after uh, PlayStation, at least like this, or at least allow gamers to go after PlayStation like this. Uh the article we've got here from Video Games Chronicle goes on to say here, the Japanese company uses its near monopoly on the sale of digital games and add-on content for PlayStation consoles to enforce strict terms and conditions on game developers and publishers, it argues. Uh, according to the suit, these terms are enable the company to dictate the price of digital content and charge a 30% commission on every purchase, which, quote, results in excessive and unfair prices to consumers that are out of all proportion to the cost of Sony providing these services to its customers. I mean, Kyle, it, it's this isn't necessarily a new thing. This isn't mm-hmm. a different thing. We've seen these types of lawsuits come up though for anti, you know, for for anti-consumer practices with with overcharging on things. I mean, there's still stuff going on with between 
Apple and Epic. There's stuff going on with Apple and their their store uh, prices as well, too, and the fees they charge. Um, I know that they're going after Google as well here, too, on things. Um, I mean, of course, that's kind of more general tech. But even in the gaming space, they're not immune to this. But that is kind of a big thing is that if you want to buy a PlayStation game, you have to do it through their service, like at least a digital version. You have to do it through theirs. You can't do it anywhere else. Right. And that that's part that's I think the bigger part of it is the fact you can't go to like GameStop or Target or Walmart and, and purchase a digital copy of a game. You have to purchase, if anything, the PlayStation Network card that allows you to purchase the game digitally. Um if you don't want to use your uh credit card or debit card over the the PlayStation network. So for them to to basically have a stranglehold on the market in such a way that, you know, regardless of any digital sale, they're gaining the commission and not only that, they they can choose what the price is going to be digitally regardless. Um and I I guess in a in a sense Big publishers can host sales through PlayStation Network, but it's still hosted through PlayStation Network. So I'm assuming that's something that the publisher has to do in conjunction with Sony Entertainment Interactive or whatever um, to actually designate the sale. You know, I'm having a sale this week on this date and, you know, our next one will be this time. And, well, they're at Sony's well beyond that. Yeah, I I see this really as the same argument that we're getting right now, again, in the, the fight against Apple as it relates to its storefront, that the only way you can install any apps on an Apple device is through their storefront. And you're right, like you said, you to be able to go to, to get a digital game from anywhere else, it has to still be some sort of PlayStation-based functionality to be able to get it, whether you are mm-hmm. getting a PlayStation Network card or the actual game card, but it has to be redeemed through the PlayStation Store. Right. But the question is, though, is how would something like this actually be able to open up? Because right now what this case is at least about is more about the cost, about the overcharging. Um, Mm. This doesn't seem to necessarily talk about the storefront as a sense that it's a locked-in thing, but it does, of course, emphasize some of it. Um do you think there could be some sort of uh, democratization of storefronts on game systems themselves and we can get games elsewhere? I mean, we could already do that on PC. I mean, we can, like, we've got, what, um, at least four or five different game launchers on our computers right now, and we can download games from any of them, and even those games show up on opposite storefronts, too, so we can get them wherever, really. Um, I'm surprised well, it hasn't made its way to consoles. Yeah, I'm, it well, and it kind of has in a way. Um, you can buy some digital games through, uh, like Newegg and whatnot, but it seems to only be like Xbox games that you're able to down by the digital downloads of. Um, you might be able to do Nintendo downloads as well, but I mean, Nintendo's been really good about hosting more sales, and they they have their. Uh, coupon that they've run a few times now where you know you pay you know for a basically i i think it's a little over one game 
and you can pick up two full price games uh, digitally. Um, and, and it's a token based service. So it's you buy the two tokens, you redeem one from you know the list, you redeem the other from the list type thing. Um, but beyond that, I mean. Yeah, you you don't see Sony games popping up anywhere. You you don't really see a ton of Xbox games popping up in anywhere else. You do still see them, but not not like you do PC games like you were saying. I I have the option of, you know, buying games on uh Xbox, Steam, Epic, or I can also, you know, good old games, but beyond that I can, you know, go through Fanatical, Game Billet, uh games planet gamers gate so on and so forth there's hundreds of them that they basically buy lots of codes and then they sell those lots of codes at a discounted rate and oftentimes you know i can save a, a few bucks here and there on on sometimes new titles even but in the in the interest of this case at least um it, it's kind of tough to see where there could be restitution at least in the form of being able to get games in a different way other than like at least you know outside of that it seems more like this is just really getting the money back to playstation customers who they feel have been overcharged um i don't know i feel like there's a few ways to solve this i i feel like part of it is uh nintendo or not nintendo sorry uh, Sony needs to change the their structure of the way they actually um, gain sales off of digital content. Um, it should probably be based off of number of sales per per unit or you know over time. Um, beyond that, though, I I feel like the uh, the actual publisher should have more control over when they can lower the price of, you know, said game on the network, or if they choose to distribute their, their title elsewhere um, as a digital code to pick up at, at a discounted rate, that should be an option. I think so, too. I really do. And maybe that will be part of the, the terms here. Like, I, I guess it depends on how far Sony actually, you know, goes here unless they decide to settle out of court and do something different um whether it's like actual monetary value back to each person which it looks like it says here if the class action is successful it's estimated that each class member would be entitled to anywhere between 67 pounds and 562 pounds in damages plus interest um yeah be curious to see exactly whether it's gonna be anything like that or it's gonna be more that to fulfill that obligation it almost seems like sony would instead probably just be like here Here's some free games to cover the cost. I mean, it's a possibility. They, It's not like they haven't done it in the past, you know, offered, you know, a selection of titles, and here, take, take one. Take yeah. two. No kidding. Yeah. So but, in the meantime, this case probably won't even be getting anywhere, at least into the court, uh, into, like, the court side, where we actually hear more of the, the stuff that goes towards the class action till probably mid-next year. Um, yeah. there's nothing here that says any sort of date or anything. It's got to obviously get on their docket. It's got to go through all the other motions and such, but probably by mid next year, we'll be talking about this again. And really and truly the, the, uh, initial, uh, 
lawsuit was filed back in August, and this is only starting to come to a head. So, um, yeah, we probably won't be hearing anything more until, I would say, late January, February. Yeah, probably. So, in the meantime, moving on from Sony potentially paying a boatload of money, let's move into the scandalous bit of the news. And, well, maybe not so much scandalous, but, of course, just differences in cultures more than anything. So, um... (laughs) In Japan, it looks like Nintendo is going to be releasing a very specific 18 plus uh, Nintendo 64 Switch Online app for the Japanese market. And it's going to contain the games GoldenEye 007 and Jet Force Gemini. So, what it seems like with this one, Kyle. And I, mm-hmm. I, I was a little confused by this, but I, I guess I, I do understand it now, of course, after the fact. But um, these games in Japan are rated Z. So they are, that's, I guess, like the highest rating. It's similar to Mature, but they are games that are displayed separately in Japan, and they require an 18-plus age verification to actually purchase them. So what that means is that instead of like you'd go to GameStop or Walmart or Target or Best Buy or whatever and see all the games and you'd see a mix of them like, you know, um, uh, E for Everyone, T for Teen, M for Mature, you know, you would see all those games kind of mixed together because they're organized Mm -hmm. alphabetically. They instead organize more by the ratings so that way when, I guess, parents go into the store with their kids or their kids go in, uh, it's not all mixed together. Like the kids and parents know that they're there, but that's it helps to, I guess, divert the focus away. So they'll be doing that with these two games. And um, apparently it... Yeah, I, I... What other games could be going in here? Like what other Z-rated games are there for the N64 in Japan? Conquer. That's what I was wondering too. Let's see, I'm looking online. Z-rated yeah. games... Uh- the reason um, I, I think this strikes me as so fascinating is it does show the cultural difference. I mean, they've already been released on the Nintendo Switch Online and are playable in the United States and I, I believe even in Europe currently, um, just on the regular platform. Um, but uh, we've had GoldenEye for quite a while, and now Japan is only just seeing it because of the creation of this 18 plus variant app. But I mean, it, it does, you know, beg the question if there's the ability to, you know, distribute other games um, on the storefront, may, maybe with this change, they could actually, I, I, I know this is kind of grasping at straws and quite a reach, but they, they could actually weed out some of the shovelware and, and, you know, organize the games in in such a way that you you would be able to tell which ones are rated what, and it's not just a slew of games when you're you know going through necessarily. Um, that there there should be better ways to organize the storefront, but being as it is Switch Online, I mean this does open up the possibility since they are doing the. 18 plus app in Japan, maybe they could do something like this in, in the U S and we could actually get voice chat. Um, that that's just one possibility. Maybe we could see conquers bad fur day, um, in its original state. Um, that, that would be a huge possibility. And, um, 
major thing for the for the gaming community i know yeah um so what it looks like here i went i went and looked i would really like the voice chat part that'd be cool but um what I found here, at least a couple other titles beside Conker's Bad Fur Day, uh, apparently the Nintendo 64 had only 28 uh, titles, at least here in the United States, that were rated M for Mature. And mm-hmm. apparently M for Mature is the is the trade-off with the Z rating in Japan. And so besides Conker's Bad Fur Day, there was another game called Nightmare Creatures. Uh, there was Turok Rage Wars. Uh, there was, I'm trying to read this because I'm actually looking at the label here, uh, Mace... Oh my gosh, I can't understand it. Mace the Dark something I can't understand. It was a midway game, it looks like. Um, hmm. It looks like uh, Shadow Man was also M for Mature. Uh, let's see, what else is here in this list? Apparently Perfect Dark as well. Wow, okay. Wow. That was not one I expected there, but I guess Perfect Dark is really just a clone of Goldeneye at that point. So, um, Yeah. In a manner of speaking, but you've also got Doom 64 as well. Um. Yeah, I mean that that just kind of gives an idea of some of the things too. I guess if you want to put the South Park game that was on N sixty four, but obviously Japan had some Japan only releases, and those are most likely not in this list anywhere. These things that I'm finding, needless to say, um, it means at least there will probably be quite a few. Like there will probably be quite a few games that will end up in there, and I am kind of curious yeah. to see what else gets added. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we couldn't necessarily see a localization of some of those Japanese-only titles. I mean, they've already done it with, uh, what was it, uh, Fire Emblem that was a Game Boy title. They only had it available for one year. So we we could possibly see, you know, short-term localization of a title or even localization of a title that could be digital release and who knows maybe even limited run games puts out a physical copy of it that's always very possible and i wouldn't put a past him to do that yeah Um, do you think though that here in the united states we will actually see a m uh only like 18 plus or even excuse me rated m for mature is 17 plus do you think we'll see something like that here in the states on the switch or do you think that because of a little bit more of the strictness in Japan, we're going to see more of the, uh, we're going to see it just more localized over there instead. I I think we do. If, or I think if we do, um, the first step that we'll, we'll see is probably the, the enabling of, of voice chat and, and being able to easy, more easily party up with people and, and find friends that, that would be the first step for Nintendo if they do, um, and I, I think it would be a great way for them to actually test the waters with a newer um, Switch Online service for a potential Switch 2. But, you know, I mean, they, they've already got groundwork set, so it, it's hard to say what what would occur, especially since we're so far into the Switch lifespan here in the U.S. I know it, it's one of the strongest consoles in Japan. Um, it is here in the U.S. as well. But I, I don't feel like the online necessarily as, as a digital storefront maybe is, is is strong in the U.S. I could be wrong, but who knows? Well, that, that was, so my question specifically was about whether or not we may actually see a, a 17 plus Nintendo 64 uh, Nintendo Switch Online app here in the States, just Doubtful. like they have in Japan. You think it'll just stay like mixed together and maybe be more based on uh, 
on the existing age settings that are within the Switch itself? I think so, yeah. Um, I, I see enough of, you know, e- even not working at uh, a game store necessarily anymore, just be working a, a pawn shop uh, and dealing with Switch consoles. I see enough of them that still have parental locks on them that I think people are conscious enough that, you know, do have them. And, you know, maybe maybe in Japan it, it's a different story. Maybe it, the system framework is set up maybe kids are just you know that the parents are like here's your system and it's kind of that that's how it is and i i don't know i i i it's hard to say how it's set up in japan because obviously it's a little bit more difficult to play m-rated games so maybe the parental controls aren't necessary on on the console um as much so Maybe it's just a cultural difference thing. That's about what I'm expecting to be the case, but I so can't say probably at least like it. probably. Uh, that's why I was kind of curious on what your yeah. thought was, but I don't think so either. But I do think though that the parental control stuff has definitely gotten to be better for things here to be able to limit that stuff anyway. Like mm-hmm. for example, like my daughter got an early Christmas gift, uh, one of those Kindle Fire Kids editions, and so we set it up already with the uh, kids profile. And immediately the settings we can already set up are not only the time limits, but also the content restrictions. Um, uh, We can also set whether she actually even can touch anything that deals with microtransactions. Um, We can um, further filter things down as well. So we can actually specifically pick out apps that she's allowed to get or apps that she's not even allowed to get. I think it hides them away. So... I think, though, that parental controls have come a long way and make it simpler to set these things up. But I think, yeah, for Japan to have something separate like this, I think it's more of a cultural thing than it is just a general parental control thing. Yeah. <coughs> but anyway, so be on the lookout for that if you're in Japan. Woohoo. Uh, let's carry on, though, here, because Ubisoft is causing a little bit of a stir here. Um, apparently, Ubisoft blames a technical error for showing pop-up ads in Assassin's Creed. So apparently there was a full-screen ad that popped up in Assassin's Creed Odyssey for some players uh, this past uh, week, and apparently they just said it was a technical error. So apparently um, it appeared while people, yeah, were playing Odyssey, and there actually is here, we're looking at an article from The Verge, they have a GIF here that shows a character running around, and out of nowhere, just boom, 20% 20% off Assassin's Creed Mirage. And it's a little bizarre. Um, we've talked about video game advertising before, Kyle. We've talked about like some of these games where they kind of mimic real life in the sense like uh, racing games or even the uh, like UFC game where EA had introduced like ads for like the boys on Amazon. And mm-hmm. Um, so this isn't necessarily a surprise to potentially see, or at least in that sort of game, uh, because we see that on TV. So it doesn't really become that big of a, a problem, I suppose. But with something like this, though, where you're just running around the, the countryside and then out of nowhere, boom, you've got an advertisement in your face that interrupts your play. It's a little weird because even The Verge says it here, too. While it was unclear at first why the game suddenly started showing Black Friday pop-up ads to promote Ubisoft's latest version of Assassin's Creed, 
The publisher later explained what went wrong in a post on X or Twitter. Said they were trying to put an ad for Assassin's Creed Mirage in the main menu of other Assassin's Creed games. However, a technical error caused the promotion to show up on game uh, on in-game menus instead. Uh, they say that the issue has since been fixed. Uh, so they uh, so apparently, yeah, this was I guess supposed to show up on a start screen then, and. We even see that in other games, though, too. Like, especially like mm-hmm. free to play games, we see those types of ads in the corner of things when starting up. But, um, it's a little weird. Yeah, and it what it seems like is when they went into the pause menu or anytime they went into the map screen, it would actually pop up with this ad. Um, and it was like you said, it wasn't for everyone, and it didn't necessarily happen all the time. But it, it did happen frequently enough that obviously someone was able to capture footage of it um, and and report on it. And I, I feel like this isn't something that's totally offbeat for, for Ubisoft. I feel like they've done this before in other games. And yeah. they're, they're not even necessarily the first publisher that's guilty of it. Especially in since they have their microtransactions that you can you know, purchase in-game menu. You just flip over to another screen and it, you know, there's the ads right there, 20% off, you know, for this many coins to buy, you know, this particular outfit, get this weapon along with it as a bonus. And it, I mean, they're, they're all over in the menus. It's just that this one became totally egregious because it was in the middle of gameplay and it was literally in between swapping uh, menus. And could it could it be a mistake? Yes, but I also feel like maybe it could be Ubisoft testing the water, seeing how far they could press people on it before they 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 get a complaint. You know, it it, it is a possibility. We've we've seen the, these types of actions in the past from other publishers, even like I said, like you said. So, yeah, and. So I don't think you're actually far off because as you were talking there, I started kind of mulling this over in my head is about the latter of what you were saying is that they basically crept this out there, like slowly pushed this out there and then they got caught in some way or at least Mm -hmm. got caught in a way where someone actually spoke up and said, hey, what the heck is this? What I actually think this is more than anything is that this is sort of a soft launch of this advertisement function, but specifically for games either being streamed from Ubisoft, for example, say through like Amazon Luna, or for games being played through Ubisoft Plus when you're using their subscription service and having games downloaded to your console or your computer. Because you think about those subscription services, you know, obviously... Maybe you'll go and get that subscription service for a month, pay like, you know, 10 bucks or what's Ubisoft Plus? I know it's one of the more expensive ones. It's actually like 16, I think, a month alone. But imagine you go pay 16 bucks and you can go access one of these newer Assassin's Creed titles, beat it before the month is done, you know, and then you get out of there and hey, you've you've paid your money, you you played the game you wanted to, you're done. Um, I wonder if it's a way for them basically to kind of stretch out there and say, hey, you could buy this for 20% off. I wonder if it's yeah. it's that. I bet you it has something to do with the streaming part because the thing that this um that this article doesn't talk about though is whether or not this person was playing this as a um 
or was playing this off of like the disc version or the downloaded version that someone had paid full price for, or if it mm-hmm. was through a streaming or um, subscription Ubisoft service. Yeah, and I, I feel like you, now you, you could definitely be onto something. Like, it, it, it could be a soft test for, for something like their streaming service. Like, hey, you know, it's a it's a way to sneak it in. Just, you know, poke at the people that they're paying for the subscription service, but you could have this game forever. You could go back to it. You could, you know, and right now you're saving money. But, you know, now we're having a sale and you're saving this much more money. It's an easy way to sneak in different advertisements. Um, I, I feel like that that they were just testing the water on, or at least they saw it as a good way to, to sneak in advertisements to potentially use on their streaming service. Because, yeah, your loading times are going to be a lot longer than they are on you know modern PCs, modern gaming consoles. It, it's, it's quite a possibility. Mm-hmm. But we've got to, I guess, kind of keep an eye out to see if this does kind of appear in other titles like um uh i guess i know rainbow six siege is technically free to play but um i'm trying to think like i guess far cry would be one to actually keep an eye out for to see and then find out if there actually are any gamers who actually come out and say yeah i played it on this console but i got the game through ubisoft plus or I'm I'm one of the twelve people who have Amazon Luna and I'm playing it through that service. Or I'm on PC and I have Ubisoft. You know, if we can find well, out sort of the breakdown. Far Cry because I think Far Cry is actually coming to the or Far Cry Six is coming to Game Pass on like the fifth of this month. Right. So I wonder. We'll just have to see. That kind of that kind of makes me wonder though in a different light though because if it is coming to game pass they would have to i can't imagine they would direct like you know with that advertisement because it said oh yeah 20 percent off you know press press a or you know to go and look at it the question is does it open up the local store on the machine itself like uh, on the console like would it open up the playstation store or would it open up the uh xbox uh the microsoft store on the console um or would it navigate to a web browser where uh, you would see Ubisoft's library there, or would it open up Ubisoft Plus if it was a a launcher or something on your computer? You know that that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. because it's embedded in the game. So I would imagine to be able to skirt around like this is why I'm thinking Ubisoft Plus is really where this is at is because for them to be able to escape the commission, like we talked about the PlayStation story a couple stories ago, they would have to sell the game themselves. They wouldn't sell it through another storefront or anything. They would have to sell it themselves. And by doing it through their own platform, they bypass all of those um, fees that they have to pay to the console manufacturers, and they keep all the money for themselves. So I think it's something with Ubisoft Plus, but we don't have that confirmed. It's just more of a hunch. Yeah, I I think you could be onto something, but it... I, I wouldn't necessarily discount other streaming services as well. Ubisoft still makes a buck regardless. Um, so I'm it's a possibility to worm it in, especially if they're using like Game Pass or something. But I, I think more than anything, you are on to something with that Ubisoft Plus service. I really hope I'm wrong, but 
I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you could be. Th- this could be your first major, major game prediction that that could change the course of of gaming. <laughs> right now, Chronicle. Very possible. <laughs> yes, everybody make note. December first, twenty twenty three. Travis predicted that Ubisoft is going to be injecting ads to buy games through their Ubisoft own Ubisoft platform through their own games that are being streamed or downloaded through their Ubisoft Plus service. Well, how many years ago was it that EA wanted you to to pay per reload of magazine on Battlefield? So ads is ads is just a a soft soft push, I feel. Yeah, I I, I think so too. But anyway, let's carry on into some other controversy here right now, and that is, of course, dealing with uh, the Game Awards because the Game Awards are coming up this next week, and we're going to have a surprise episode for you guys regarding Game Awards stuff too, so um, be on the uh, lookout for that here this next week. But um, in regards to the Game Awards, uh, apparently there's been some controversy going on around a nomination for Best Indie Game or Best Independent Game uh, with regards to nomination of Dave the Diver. Uh, so Dave the Diver is a adventure game about catching fish and cooking sushi, and uh, there's definitely more about it than just that, but I'm just summarizing based on the uh, article here from Kotaku. Uh, but the concern with it, though, is that even though it looks like an independent title, um, the company that actually made the game, I'm trying to find the actual name here, um, Mint Rocket is the name of the dev that made it. Uh, but Mint Rocket is actually part of Nexon. And Nexon is a Korean company that's very popular, very well known, and very powerful. I'd almost call them like the EA of Korea, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. w- wouldn't you agree with that, Kyle? Uh, yeah, that that's that's pretty on par, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a big thing there. It's like, how is this independent? You know, how how are, how is this an indie studio compared to um, something like Core Keeper, for example? I know that came out last year, but how is that different from you know? It's like how is like Core Keeper's independent? Um, we've had other games that have come out that are from independent studios though too. Um, I mean, Kyle, to be honest with the like with the audience here, you're the biggest indie geek that I know of. I mean, Devolver Digital, to a certain degree, of course, really does push on all the indie titles. But, um, I mean, there's plenty more out there. And that's where a lot of the fighting is coming up from. So, Jeff Geely, taking mm-hmm. this information here, of course, decided to have... He had a Q&A on Twitch and was talking about a bunch of other things. But this also came up um, as well. And so here is what he said. He said, look, it's a great question. Independent can mean different things to different people, and it's sort of a broad term, right? I mean, you could argue, does independent mean the budget of the game? Does independent mean where the source of the financing was? Is it based on the team size? Is it the kind of independent spirit of a game, meaning kind of a smaller game that's different? Everyone has their own opinion about this, and we really defer to our jury, which is 120 global media outlets, to vote on these awards to make that kind of determination if uh, determination of is something independent or not. You know, in other industries, sometimes there are determining factors. I think in the film industry, there's like the budget can't be above this amount of dollars if it's an independent film. And then, of course, there's also talk here, too, um, 
he did get into more details about, you know, questions regarding financing and publishing, how it complicates this. So I'll read this here and we can kind of discuss this a bit more. Uh, so he goes on and says, so yeah, Dave the Diver. The game is made by a group named Mint Rocket, so it's a smaller game from a smaller company. But Mint Rocket is part of Nexon. They're employees of Nexon, which is a very large publisher. So I think it's a fair debate and discussion about uh, that is truly independent or not. You can argue it either way. It's independent in spirit in that it's a small game with a, I don't know what the budget is, relatively small budget, but it's from a larger entity, whereas there are other games on that list from much smaller studios. Even like Dredge or something, I think, is published by Team 17. So is that independent or not because you have a publisher? It's a really complicated thing to figure out and come up with strict rules around. So we let people use their best judgment. You can agree or disagree with the choices, but the fact that Dave the Diver was on that list meant that out of all the independent games the jury looked at, or what they thought was independent games, that was one of the top five they looked at this year. So yeah, I think it's a good question. So he he jumps around a little bit here and there, but he does, you know, he does err on the the side of like, hey, this is this is a good question. This is something that should be debated and understood. And maybe with this question, it's going to be one of those things that they do set some sort of uh, harsher rules on of sorts to say this independent title is or to be considered for this your game has to have been made by this type of team with this type of history um you know when it doesn't necessarily count that it was published by another company but that you know that there i think there are certain criteria that are gonna have to be met i i think so too and it it may spark you know the the distinction between you know I guess indie and independent as being two different categories at this point, because it, it's almost becoming at the, in a sense that indie, the way he talks about it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be an independent studio, just that it could be a retro style game. Um, then there's the, you know, the independent games that are made by independent studios that could be even potentially published by the studio as well um and that that would be considered a completely independent title um but i i I don't know that that gets a little convoluted at that point um and it is it is kind of hard to compare it you know when you you look at it something like dredge which i i feel like it it's one of my top games of the year um along with david dave the diver honestly um they they just were really phenomenal games really unique games and they they have that indie feel to them i don't know if i necessarily consider them both indie or i i i don't know anymore it it's it's starting to raise the question for myself yeah i mean it it does kind of like bring this up here that's like this does look like an independent title because this is kind of that similar art aesthetic that those types of games would follow but it's not it it, it's a weird area yeah and it does kind of make you like reconsider and make you think deeper about well i've always considered considered these indie titles but are they really though you know so maybe this will change Mm -hmm. that criteria maybe this will help to kind of narrow things down a bit i mean there there are two categories that are in this in regards to independent games so there's the best independent game category which is where dave the diver's at but then there's another one called best debut indie game and that uh that one there has how many in there one 
to three of the titles in best independent game are also in best debut indie game. So there, there is kind of a nice uh, mix between there, but at the same time, it's still, I, I don't know. It's going to require a little bit of introspective thought here to figure this out. I don't know. It would be huh. interesting to, you know, for him to touch on it in the actual award ceremony that, you know, we did have this controversy and we're, we're going to look more into it. You know, it, at least I, I feel like it would be something that he should address at the, the ceremony that, you know, maybe there does need to be a distinction now. And because of the, you know, the awards being set in place as they were, we weren't able to do it in time this year, but you know, maybe next year that there will be a distinction or, you know, more, more, I, I guess awards to be given out for, for different categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But we'll find out exactly what happens, of course, next week with the game awards itself. So in the meantime, we've only got about a week to wait, right, Kyle? Yeah, only only about a week now, and it it'll be an interesting wait because uh, I don't know. I'm really excited. There's there's so many good games this year, and I'm so excited to see what 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 the outcome is going to come come out to be for for game of the year, and f- frankly, for some of the other categories. Well, what I'm more excited about forget the forget the awards. I mean, you know, I think it might be simple to pick out like some of these things that are going to end up winning. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not, but I'm more excited about game announcements and trailers and stuff. Cause Microsoft has oh, put some yeah. things out there saying that they're going to have some good things and I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed just for some neat stuff. So, you know, hoping for some more stuff on uh hellblade Two. Heck yeah. Yeah. So let's wrap up the main stories for this week's news with this last one here. And again, I, news is annoying this week, so let's just take it all in stride. Embracer CEO confirms that Free Radical is facing closure. So Free Radical uh, is the company that created Time Splitters. Uh, last time they released a game in the Time Splitters series was back in 2005 with Future Perfect. Um, however, of course, it looks like Embracer Group, a company who actually went and bought up a bunch of studios over the last couple of years to make themselves a really big name in the gaming world, so to speak, um, have been going through and shutting down different facets of these companies that they've purchased. Um, It looks like Free Radical has basically met that demise, or at least will potentially meet that demise. And they're going through the process now of of sorting all this out. Uh, So what happened here is that uh, Lars Lars Wingfors, the CEO of Embracer Group reportedly sent a company-wide email confirming that staff at Free Radical were being signed into a consultation process, which is how redundancies are handled in the United Kingdom. During this period, there is a 30-day window in which staff will remain on the books as they're processed according to the law. Uh, the news follows countless waves of layoffs at Embracer-owned studios throughout the year. We've seen some studios shut down completely in the last few months as Embracer Group restructured to recoup losses accrued following the implosion of a $2 billion deal that fell through back in May of 2023. So I know, Kyle, you, you're kind of bummed because you were hoping for time splitters to really kind of come back here. But um, I mean, the, the, the writing was kind of on the wall with stuff with Embracer Group. It felt like we were talking about them every other week, picking up some new studio, signing some new deal. 
and they were really on a buying spree. But the fact, though, that a $2 billion deal falling through earlier this year has led to the demise of all these different studios and that goes to show that that $2 billion deal would not have saved anything. I have a feeling that that $2 billion deal may have kept them afloat for a little while longer, but we would have been in this exact position probably mid-next year. Am I wrong? No, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think it it was foolish spending uh, just to attract attention, um, which, you know, it, it's been out there that they were just trying to attract the attention of savvy games. Um, and it it's unfortunate because now... Uh, there's a lot of people that are suffering, and of course, with Free Radical, it's what three weeks uh, before before Christmas is when I think they're slated to all technically lose their jobs um, on the not necessarily on the books, but basically get the email that that for sure is the nail in the coffin, um, and. It, it it's it's like it's one studio after another, and what happens to the licenses? Uh, we were having a discussion about it the other night. Are they just going to become a licensing front? Are uh, you know you you just pay them to to use a license of a studio that they closed ten years ago because you want to make a game? Uh, uh, you know something that they they had the license of that they they never they never intended on making a game of. They they just wanted the license of in in the first place. Yeah, I I'm a little perplexed on what could potentially happen next, but that's part of what I'm kind of wondering is that even though they shut down the studio, they still technically own all of the stuff that the studio had, um, mm-hmm. including the licensing rights and everything that go along with the games they had. Um, you know, the idea of EA potentially, like you know, just using it as an example, it's like oh, EA is gonna. Uh, have Bioware make the next Tomb Raider game because they went in, into an agreement with Embracer Group for the license. You know, it's like that's is that a possibility? Yeah, but it makes me think that Embracer Group's gonna like basically either shut down, spin off, or sell off some of these these companies they picked up, and in turn will become like these patent trolls who will have patents from all these different companies that have gone under. And then we'll go around and, you know, instead of the inverse of suing everybody because, oh, you're exercising against our patent, they're instead going to be going and using these licenses to uh, basically earn royalties or, or sell games uh, or sell the rights to the games or not even sell. They're going to license out the games and let other companies make them and then just make their money and coast by. So I, I don't know. I I the other part of this, I think, is that Embracer Group was doing a lot of this just because they were, because of how much stuff Tencent was doing. But at the same time, it seems like Tencent really saw the writing on the wall somewhere and stopped because we saw Tencent doing things and then Embracer Group just kept, like, they, they stopped picking up studios, but Embracer just kept going. And I yeah. think that, I think, yeah, that that's that Tencent saw it, but Tencent's much bigger than just games. They got everything else under the sun. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm going back to what I said earlier is that even with this $2 billion deal falling through, I don't think that would have been what kept all of these things going on. I think that that 2 billion would have maybe helped to keep things going through mid next year. And we'd still be in the same spot. Just flat out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
I the I think the reason one of the reasons this hits me so hard too, especially with it being the Time Splitters studio, you look at just a few years ago. Well, it's it's been more than a few years now, but Homefront: The Revolution, it released. It had one level of Time Splitters that was available to everyone in the game, but then someone cracked it and found out the entire game of Time Splitters Two was available to play in Homefront: The Revolution, and people went nuts. So it's not like that. There's not demand for time splitters, and I don't know. This this feels like the 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 close of a book, at least for a time, on on the time splitters franchise, and you know whatever else Free Radical had under, you know, in their hands. It, it, it's just sad. It's it's sad. I agree. I just. I and shit timing. Yeah, I, uh, sorry, I just I, have to put that out. That's it's just fine. Terrible timing. I think, yeah, I think the other problem though, anyway, is that the markets have changed in regards to games. That it's like you need to like free to play season based games where you have people constantly paying money is kind of what's driving these things. And another Time Splitters game coming out isn't going to be that. It's going to be a standalone title that's going to serve the interests of the fans, but for the company, it's going to be a one and done thing. I mean, look at how long. Grand Theft Auto Online has been going on. And, of course, look at how many releases of GTA V we had. It's like Rockstar recognizes that, and that's how they're making their money. And it's like, even with Fortnite and all these other things, it's the models changed. And I think that they probably wouldn't have recouped much, at least on this one. I, I just, I don't know. At this point in time, the only thing I can say is that this sucks. I just don't think that this is the last yeah, 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 and who knows? Hopefully, they'll have some angel investor, or angel buyer come in and swoop in and take up a bunch of the licenses under their wing and save, save you know what remains of of these studios that are all under closure. But I, as as we've said many many times throughout the year, only time will tell. That is correct. But what time will tell us right now is that we've actually reached the end of the main stories for this week's news roundup. And we're moving on to the last bit of the news with quest markers from Kyle. Kyle, fill us in on the quest markers for this week. So for our first quest marker of the week, Netflix lands Grand Theft Auto Trilogy um, as part of their mobile service uh, or mobile gaming service uh, through the Netflix platform. Uh, Netflix on December 14th uh, will be making available a version of the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy uh, through mobile devices. So if you have the want to play the Grand Theft Auto mobile trilogy or Grand Theft Auto Trilogy on your your mobile device while you happen to be uh, watching the latest episode of, I don't know, Scott Pilgrim or whatever else you know seems to be of your fancy at the moment whatever christmas movie uh you can start on december 14th and in our next quest marker for the evening uh i'm gonna go ahead and give a quick breeze through of the level five vision announcements at their november showcase um so just real quick uh they had a few announcements that they went over um, 
some really cool games that were announced. Mega Ten Musashi Wired, uh, slated for April 25th uh, of next year. Uh, looks like a mech robot RPG. Um, of course, a new Fantasy Life game. Uh, this one titled Fantasy Life I, The Girl Who Steals Time. Um, I want to say they did not announce any date for that one. Um, a Inazuma 11th uh, Victory Road. I believe that one is a soccer game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that will be, yeah, it's a soccer game. Uh, announced for the Switch, uh, launching in March of next year. Um, of course, that one is has a little bit of story and is third-person anime-based um, soccer. Uh, so it should be a little bit of an interesting twist. Um, and then one that did get a announcement um, a while back uh, that was kind of an upset because... Um, Professor Layton and the New World of Steam um, did get a new trailer and is slated for release in 2025, unfortunately. So Professor Layton fans will have to be waiting till 2025. DECA Police did actually make a new appearance. Um, it was first released or first announced back in... I, I don't even recall when. It, it's been quite a while. Um, was originally slated for release in 2023, uh, but it will be pushed back to some time in late 2024, it seems like. So, uh, fans of the, the deck of police, um, what the franchise looks to be, um, will have to wait just a bit longer. Uh, but that was everything announced at the, uh, level five visions. Um, showcase and then moving on to our next quest marker and a very brief one um, there was a new Sonic uh, movie uh, trailer or teaser I should say that was released uh, kind of announcing the new protagonist or antagonist I should say uh, that being Shadow the Hedgehog just uh, showing his foot off uh, with Lots of speculation at this point of who's going to voice uh, Shadow. Um, I've seen crazy, crazy actors thrown about. Um, probably the craziest one being uh, Chris Pratt. Dear God, <laughs> so, please no, please. Yeah, no. Let, let's not. Um, let, let, let's get a. I, I don't know. They did a really good job with Idris Elba, so um, hopefully. Um, we'll get an announcement, I want to say, either later this month or sometime early next year um, on who will be voicing Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, two more quest markers. La uh, next one, uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake is coming to PSVR 2 uh, next week. Um, it will be a free release if you do own Resident Evil 4. Um, already, so if you've got the PlayStation 2 VR um, and you've already completed or are still working through Resident Evil 4, uh, maybe it's it's time to hook up the VR and test your hand at first-person uh, zombie mayhem in the remake. And 
in our last quest marker. Sorry, it's been a, a slew of them this week, I know. Um, this one, uh, I just kind of had to slap on last minute. Uh, but there's a new Tribes game coming out. Uh, slated for later next year. Um, will be titled Tribes 3 Rivals. Um, and some of the place t testing has been captured. Of course, it is going to be a large arena-based shooter. Um, Tribes is known for its jetpack arena combat. So if you're a fan of the old-style arena shooters, it might be worth wishlisting and checking out some of the trailers out now. Nice. But that is it for the quest markers of, for this week. And one special announcement, of course, here really quick before we wrap up is, of course, the announcement today, the 1st of December, that the official trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 will be coming out Tuesday, December 5th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I forgot. Yeah, so I that forgot. will be... That's all right, Kyle. I was, I was like, oh, I'll make mention of it anyway. But yes, we will finally get our official non-leaked reveal of Grand Theft Auto 6 and hopefully an actual release date sometime this next week. But that was the last thing I wanted to mention. Okay, Kyle. Slated for 2026. Uh, probably. In the meantime, <laughs> with that said, with the quest markers being done now and such, that is it for the weekly news roundup for the week of December 1st, 2023. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Of course, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Of course, according to our wrapped, we actually had ourselves in a pretty good year. So, yeah, be sure to subscribe to us where you can, uh, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it. Um, of course, if you're not sure where to find us at, you can also check us out on our main page over at anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. Find all the different platforms that we are on. With that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Laters.